0: Please turn to chapter 2 of Matthew, chapter 2 of Matthew. Mm -hmm. Through December we've been thinking on a little series called Welcoming the Why, and uh, I know it's not Christmas season anymore, the church lights have gone, the fairy lights, but The Lord of the season is still here. Uh, We've got uh, the week of prayer for Christian unity next week and Craig Bishop, the Anglican vicar, will be sharing with us as we join together with other Christians in the town and the locality. And then the following week, we're going to begin a new series together, um, looking at some of the lesser known, shorter books of the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. Philemon, 3 John, 2 John, the little snippets. But uh, really important. So, finishing off. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born, in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exactly at the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream, and not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. And the story continues, an angel appears to Joseph, says, take them away, flee, dark time is coming. Herod will try and kill them all. Two thoughts over Christmas one was on the run up to christmas who who was uh, did anyone go to a santa's grotto neil uh, purposely or with the children with uh, the children but i really the children. Okay i don't know if you know saw in the news about uh, there's usually one of that that christmas wonderland uh, in the midlands Lawrence, llewellyn bowen velvet christmas uh, and uh, it started in you know, November and charging 25 pounds. Come and see this amazing Christmas spectacle. And, uh, and sadly, people were rather disappointed at the mud and the sticks that hadn't yet been kind of lacquered with fake snow. And there, there was that kind of sense of disappointment, more than a sense of disappointment in those on the news. They were like, this is rubbish. It's not what Christmas is about. Or who watched one of those Superman films, those superhero films over Christmas? Neil, you had a great Christmas, didn't you? <laughs> what are the rest of you doing? Sleep. Sleeping. Okay. Those, those films of superheroes, they, I kind of like them. and um, Whether it's X-Men or Batman or Spider-Man or Superman or whatever they are. They always have that kind of, that sense of of crisis, of evil, of of just in the nick of time, you know, someone's falling out of the helicopter or the building's about to collapse or some, you know, evil's about to be kind of unleashed. Just in the nick of time. And everyone towards the end and the climax and the fulfillment of the film is kind of going, what's going to happen? And in in scripture's own beautiful way, in really understated tones. So much so that just Matthew and Luke really kind of focus in on this in the Gospels. They say, just in the nick of time, in a kind of understated way, the superhero, the rescuer is here. And this won't disappoint. And people won't be demanding their money back. Why chapter two? Well, it's, it was epiphany last week, if you're into church calendars, uh, or to do with celebrating the appearance of God. Uh, I was looking a little bit about it, discovered that if you lived in the Eastern Orthodox tradition uh, on uh, Epiphany Sunday, which was last Sunday, or when the Magi appear, it's also the celebration of Jesus' baptism. And so I looked, and if you you want to look, if you just put uh, Epiphany, Eastern Orthodox, you'll come up with a whole load of images and they will make you shiver. Because in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they cut hole, cross hole in the ice, and they go for a swim. Dip themselves in remembrance of the baptism of Jesus. It's not what we're doing tonight. But the Magi kind of capture this in this journey, the Magi capture in this coming from afar, the wise men. These um, mystics, perhaps, these oriental astrologers, these stargazers, maybe modern day physicists. I don't want to mystify them. Maybe they're the scientists of the area and they truly found wisdom and knowledge. They traveled from afar. And came to see in this traveling star, the sign, the portent, the declaration in their heavens that no one else seemed to have grasped. That something of unique significance was taking place right in this world, just in the nick of time. A new king, not just new as in the next, but of a whole new order. That the Matthew is the first gospel, the first of the New Testament, spans the gap to the old. And in the Old Testament, there are lots of times that God appears. Have you noticed that? God appears all over the place. I mean, classically, he appears in places where people are gathering to worship. I mean, they, they knew that they could go into Jerusalem, they could climb up the hill, they could go to the temple and, and if they were the right sort of people and they'd been the right living the right sort of way and if, if, if things kind of went to plan, some of the really special people could get almost there. But only the chosen few and the chosen one could actually enter into the presence of God once a year and then really fearfully. But they knew in the heart of Jerusalem God was there, and that was kind of a security and a hope and a confidence when uh, you know things were going well since David and Solomon and then the kings, and and then it started to go a bit sour because the Assyrians and the Babylonians came to start oppressing them, and and it all went pear-shaped to use biblical language. And they were the temple was destroyed. And it let, let that whole question of where is God now? Where can we find him? For centuries, they'd found him in the tabernacle and then in the temple. But that wasn't the only place that that God showed up. Think back to your junior church stories or think back to the reading of the Old Testament. There are times and places, curious places, out in the desert with a bush that doesn't seem to burn up. God appears. Says, Moses, the place you're in is holy. Take off your sandals. Moses, come on. And Moses is like, oh my goodness, the Lord is here. And then... He goes back to tend his goats and the sheep in the bush. I don't know what happens to the bush. It never burnt up. Maybe the goats ate it. Who knows? But God moved on. Or maybe there's other times when, uh, when, when, when God is there with them by day and by night. Moses and the people of God and they're being rescued out of Egypt. And there's this pillar of uh, fire by night and cloud by day. And, and they follow it and move when God is directing them for a time, for a season. Or maybe maybe with Elijah up on Mount Horeb, and there's, there's those who are worshipping Baal and the pagan gods and, and Elijah thinks he's the only one left who's true, truly loves God and there's this tussle and, and this great kind of... Uh, power play of who's, who's truly God and the prophets of Baal and they're all cutting themselves and f- dancing in themselves into a frenzy and co- trying to call down their gods to bring fire to the offering and nothing happens and Elijah's sitting back with his coffee, you know, biding his time. His turn, you know, and, and fire falls and it consumes the offering and the water and wow, God is there. Again and again, there are times when God shows up and and people know it. Maybe sometimes they talk about angels appearing and then they disappear. What is clear in the Old Testament is that, yeah, God is there in the midst of all sorts of circumstances, in the religious and the stuff of life. But he's not there all the time. God is revealed. God instigates. God shows up and says, I am with you. But then a bit like, you know, the frost in the morning in a British winter's day, by lunchtime, usually gone. Kind of gone from sight, at least. And some wise men come traveling from afar, and they they come to Jerusalem, about eight miles from Bethlehem, so I'm told, is that right? Those that have visited. And uh, it's not far, is it, eight miles? It's like Evesham away. over there, walkable, and I I love the contrast, you know, there's there's all the city life going on, and and the magi come, and they're obviously kind of a sight, because they're they're from a foreign place, and they're probably well-dressed, and not just three of them, we don't know how many there are, they have three gifts, classically we believe there are three, but who knows, could be lots, could be a few, could be lots of people accompanying them, a stir, and no one else has noticed. You know, there's hints all the time that the God isn't just the God of a few, but God of all people. Those wise men from afar perceive something of extraordinary significance is taking place, and they, they go. They go and they find. But I love that Herod, in his, in his palace, and... All of the people of Jerusalem, the wise men and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and, and all, those, all those else don't know. And even when they said, where's this king being born? They go, well, it's in Bethlehem. It's kind of Evesham way. Eight miles. No one seems to go. It's weird, isn't it? But the wise men go. The wise men go and they discover in the midst of that little town. In the midst of that little place not so far away, the star, the light stops, and they find. They find a child. They search carefully and they find a child and they're overjoyed. And with the child is the mother and the father, we're told Joseph is there still. And they enter in and they bow down and they worship him. I love that. There's a wisdom, there's a revelation that these wise men grasp, that the Old Testament is hinted at, that, that in those happen chances of God appearing, God vanishing, God being seen, God being obscured, right in the Christmas story, God comes. The Word becomes flesh and dwells amongst us, full of grace and truth. And those wise men from the East, those Gentiles, those. Worshippers of other gods come to the true one. God appears. Now, for us, we go, yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, God appears. God appears. And the thing about Jesus is that he's not like the old covenant and in the old ways, the shadow of the former things. This is the new order, the new covenant, the new day, the new way. This is the new order of existence of which we are privileged to be part of. The presence of God has come. He's here, He's findable, He's not fleeting. And what's more, it's not a burning bush and it's not an earthquake or a strong wind or it's not a figure who appears and they can't, an angelic figure or being and it's not a still small voice passing in the storm and the earthquake and the wind and the fire. Kind of, how do we relate to that here? Here. The Christ child. Jesus. 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 They bow down and worship. I don't know if they pick the baby up. I wonder if they do. Wouldn't that be lovely? I'm sure they did. I don't know, reading into the text. But there's something really profound about knowing. That the God who was worshipped so long in a place that was so out of bounds for so many, Or the God that was known and was always with them, but was fleeting and and kind of appeared and disappeared, visible and unseen and kind of mysterious. And and how do you relate to an earthquake and a wind and a fire? And and now, fleshed blood. They bowed down and they worshipped. Touch is so important, that interaction. I kind of have this in mind of these wise men, probably big beardies, you know, gray. We have that picture of robes, and a tiny little hand, and maybe a gnarled finger with some rings on it. And they touch a the Christ child. And as they reach out, the Lord touches them. They meet Him. Touch is one of those most profound senses. So, so important. You know, touch, the touch of affirmation, of the hug of friendship. The lingering kind of pulling apart at a train station through the window. The last time I held my dad's hand as. As he was dying, nothing else probably working but a gentle squeeze. You see, God comes amongst us and is touchable, so, so real, so, so personal, so in our level. And the wise men come. And they behold the Lord. At New Year, I was with my, with my friends, and George is 18 months. And George is such a naughty boy, I tell you. He is such a mischievous one. He, he loves Hoover. He's great with the Hoover. I mean, he, you know, he's going to set up a cleaning business. First thing in the morning, I was sleeping downstairs, and uh, I heard like, rattling about, and little children stomp a lot. Have you noticed that? And then, and he gets the hoover out of the cupboard, plugs it in, and he loves the hoover sound. If someone's hoovering up the top of the house, up the stairs, he runs, well, as a toddler might run, he goes upstairs and he's like, oover, oover, oover. He loves it. You're having like a meal, and the, you know, and the hoover comes out, the, oover. So my friends bought him a toy Henry for Christmas, and he was so happy. Oover. We went to walk and, and we were in this big field. And you know what? I, he, he's a, a bit of a run. He's a climber and a runner-offer. You turn your back, he's on top of the piano. He's 18 months. You turn your back and he's climbed up on the kitchen top and he's eating meringues or something, you know. He's <laughs> nicking the chocolates. And in the park, I chatting to his dad and we're walking along and you kind of... St- See him, and he looks over his shoulder like this. And he sees you there, and he runs. And he runs and he runs and runs, and then he stops. And he looks back. And Steve said, Watch this. So we just kind of ignored him. And he ran back. Because <laughs> he was like, Don't, You know, he'd gone too far. But the thing was if you, if you knew that he was, and you caught ice on it, hi, Georgie, go off further. Sweet little lad. But I was thinking about that. I was thinking how important it is for us to know the presence. That that Christ coming amongst us, Christ being born, Jesus, God made flesh. One of us. Reminds us, because we're all kind of naughty children. We all run. But there's that. Longing that hunch of that, let's just turn, let's look. And, and the thing about the gospel story, and, and for Christians we sometimes grow very complacent, is that he's here. Now, he, you know you know the end of the gospel story and the disciples, he, he's with them and, and he says, I'm going to have to leave you. And, and uh, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And, and they are troubled because they're saying, you know, Jesus, we love being with you. We love the fact that we can, we can walk together and we can eat together and we can talk life and God and we can talk hope and dreams and we can see the kingdom of God come because you just do that around us and it's just epic. And Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go from you. I'm going to go back to my father and they're like, ugh. But she says, don't worry, I'm going to send another One, another comforter, counsellor, and the other alongside presence, and breathed on, said, receive the Holy Spirit. As good as, if not better, for us. Because he's, the Holy Spirit, with us in all places at all times. Harder, because we, you know, we... You know, if I told you to poke the person next to you, you could do that. And if you got poked back, you'd know it. But the Holy Spirit is just as tangible and real with us. Presence of God. The presence of God making sure we know that he's close. Then the Magi, as they, as they gather around the manger, maybe Jesus is slightly older, maybe he's 18 months. We're not sure of the passage of time In these early passages, at least by two, they fled to Egypt because Herod wants to kill all those who are two and under. But as they gather around, as they've come from afar, they discover God in their midst. They discover the true king. They discover the one to bow down and worship. They discover amongst them. The Lord has come. Rather than the one who is, is known by some and, and the few. And rather than the one who is limited it seems. Here now is God amongst us. Here now. Here now. I love the example that they said. I love the example that it demonstrates in Matthew 2. The God is the one who has chosen to come. The God is the one who has chosen to reassure us. The God is the one who has said, my presence is here not just fleetingly or temporally but permanently now. My favor is with humanity. The Lord saves. Continued closeness. Continued presence. Continued revelation of God's favour, God shows up. One of the challenges always of the Christmas story and as we pack away the lights and go on the diets and breathe a sigh of relief and pay off the credit cards and think those cows were nice but I'm glad Slade's now in the box for another nine months. As we pack away the whole point of Christmas But it seems like, yeah, that was lovely in the baby. And where, oh, where's God again? The Christmas story says he's here. He is here. The Spirit is with us, the very Spirit of Jesus. We talk a lot about praying for people and we talk a lot about. Seeing the kingdom come, and and this is where I just close and and leave you with this, don't pack away Jesus. Don't forget that he's with us, don't forget all that is happening because of him. Came across this great little story, it's really helpful, I find it helpful. Um, And it's from the film Frozen, seen it? No, has anyone not seen Frozen? Oh my goodness. How have you managed this? Sorry, Neil's seen it. (laughs) I'm a bit scared about telling you this story now because you'll spoil the film. Are you aware of the film Frozen? In the film Frozen, there's a little snowman called Olaf. You've Seen that funny little snowman? And it's a a lovely film, and it's really good. It's it's a very unique film. And uh, Olaf is a little, the film is about a land that's always in the winter. It's not Narnia, it's somewhere else. And Olaf is like a singing, dancing snowman. It's Disney. I am. It's really good. I won't try and sing the famous song. Let it go. Olaf in the film is, because they're all like fed up of winter and snow. And like the, the queen has got a frozen heart and it's affecting the whole realm. And they're trying to find love and you know all that. Break, break, break the anger, break the fear, break into life again. And little Olaf is is uh, the snowman, and he, he thinks, oh, I wonder what it'd be like in summer. And he has this little song and dance routine of him being on a beat. <laughs> oh, if only there was time. <laughs> and, and the irony of the song is that he's not worked out, the little Olaf, that sun and snow kind of don't go, do they? And the children realise this because everyone's built a snowman and knows how it doesn't really last very long. You're left with a little damp carrot in your garden. And they're thinking, oh, no, Olive. Now, at the end of the film, because it's Disney and magical, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but they make Olaf his own little microclimate, which is great. So wherever Olaf goes, he's got this little, like, cold area with a little snowstorm, and he just lives for the rest of however long they live in Disneyland. And uh, he's got his own microclimate, and he he just exists. Now you're thinking, what was this about? (laughs) The point is this. So often we move from Christmas, and we move maybe like the Magi, and they leave Bethlehem, and they think, oh yeah, I remember that time that God showed up. But what the Gospels teaches and what Christmas really drives home is that God has showed up full stop. He has not gone. That Jesus, yeah, isn't somewhere sort of sitting out, hanging out in Israel. He's with the Father but His Spirit is with us. Given to all people, breathed out on all flesh. And not withdrawn. God is with us. His name, Emmanuel, God is with us. And that as as we're believers, as we move on into 2015, God is with us. And to draw the parallel with Olaf is that wherever we go, because the Holy Spirit is within us as Christians, we take with us this little microclimate of the kingdom. That he is with us. So whenever you go into the dark place of the world where you maybe think, where is God? He's here with you. Wherever you think, well, gosh, where's God? Is he going to show up? He's with you. And that as the fact that God is with us, everything is possible. Wherever you are, you can bow down and worship him. Maybe you don't have to bow down, but you can worship him because he's with you. Whatever circumstance, and it seems impossible and hateful and horrendous, he's there. Because the kingdom of God is within reach. The little microclimate that we all live in He's with us. He's not packed away and put away to gather dust with the baubles. He has come. And the world is different. And the world is changing. And the story, I will finish. The story goes very dark in Matthew 2.14. Because infanticide and just hacking to death children. And weeping and wailing. And even in the darkest moment, we still have that assurance he is here. Hope and life. God has not abandoned. We need this as you go back to work, to the classroom, to the room, to the bar, to the pub, to the club. And people say, wasn't that awful in Paris. Oh, yes, it was. And people say, the world is spiraling out of control and maybe we see evil so much more clearly. But we have a hope, not just a hope, the hope. In the circumstance of a life when the test results come and it's not good news for your health, or that phone call in the night that changes the landscape of your life completely, the Lord is here. He has come. He is close. Praise be. Thanks, Jess. Wherever you are, there you are.